Hello. Welcome to this Easter edition of the Dare to Hope podcast. I'm your host, Keith Hinton. Now, this episode is being produced just a few days before Easter. I almost never think of the Easter event without remembering Mary's words to the disciples after her conversation with the risen Christ. I imagine her running into the room where the discouraged followers of Jesus had gathered, and after catching her breath for a moment, she says, I've seen the Lord. I've tried to put myself in the place of those disciples and think about how they might have responded to such an announcement. I imagine their first response would have been skeptical. After all, they knew he was dead. They had witnessed his crucifixion. They may have even helped to bury him. So this probably was just Mary's overactive imagination indulging her wishful thinking. But according to John 20:18, she finally was able to share the things Jesus had asked her to tell them, and their skepticism began to turn into cautious hope. In the very next verse of that chapter, it is reported that Jesus himself appeared in the midst of the group, and they no longer were dependent on Mary's testimony. They could see for themselves Jesus was alive. The resurrection story became the theme of the New Testament. It is the cornerstone of our faith. It is the foundation of all Christian hope. He is risen. Amen. One more time since I caught some of you off guard. He is risen. It was on February the 27th, 1991, at the height of the Desert Storm War, that Ruth Dillow received a very sad message from the Pentagon. It stated that her son, Clayton Carpenter, private first class, had stepped on a mine in Kuwait and was dead. Ruth Dillow later wrote, I can't can't begin to describe my grief and my shock. It was almost more than I could bear. For three days I wept. For three days I expressed anger and loss. For three days people tried to comfort me to no avail because the loss was too great. But three days later, she received, uh, later after she had received the message, the telephone rang. She answered the telephone, and on the other end she heard, Mom, It's me. I'm alive. Ruth Dillow said, I couldn't believe it at first, but then I recognized his voice, and I recognized he really was alive. The message had been a mistake, a really, really bad mistake, but he was alive. She said, I laughed, I cried, I felt like turning cartwheels because my son, whom I had thought was dead, was really alive. I'm sure, she said, none of you can even begin to imagine or understand how I felt. And she's probably right, isn't she? I mean, we can't really understand how she felt. Because for Ruth Dillow, that phone call changed everything. However, 
though we may not be able to identify with her feelings that particular day, there's a group of weary, disappointed, and defeated disciples in the New Testament who surely could. One day, they watched their best friend and teacher being nailed to a cross. They witnessed his pain as he cried out, I thirst, and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They listened as finally he bowed his head and said, It is finished, and Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. They watched him die. They watched as his body was taken from the cross and buried. And their hopes and the dreams that they had were buried with him. Friday and all day Saturday they mourned until finally on the first day of the week, early in the morning, Mark tells us, some women made their way along the path that led to his tomb, wondering who would roll away the stone when they got there. But when they arrived, they found the stone had already been rolled away, and there was an angel who was telling them words they could hardly believe. He said, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. The fact of the matter is, that's why we've gathered here today. Because when they went to the tomb, they heard the angels say and confirm, He is risen. He is not here. We are convinced that Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. And that changes everything. Resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Without it, there would be no Christian faith. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the first sermon, and the first sermon he preached on Pentecost was a sermon on the resurrection. Every place Paul preached, he preached the resurrection. In every epistle of the New Testament, the resurrection is the key point for all the claims that are made. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what? Changes everything. It what? In John chapter 20, you'll find the text for the day. There we have the account of the women coming to the tomb. We find the, have the account of Mary Magdalene when she is in, at the tomb. She's weeping. She encounters Jesus. And then he says, I want you to go and, and talk to my disciples. When she encounters him, beginning at verse 17, he says, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And everything that he had told them, told her to tell them. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, which means twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. And reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. With me. In my mind's eye, I hear a tone in Mary's voice when she came running to the disciples on that particular day. A tone that may have conveyed more than her surprising statement said alone. She said, I have seen the Lord. And I hear her saying, in her tone at least, and this changes everything. I want you to look at me, you look with me about some ways that it will change our life. I've tried to give you three particular areas where our life changes. A true encounter with the living Savior. When we have seen the Lord in our spirit and our heart and we've encountered Him, what changes? First of all, it changes our connection to God. After Mary came face to face with the risen Lord, she formed a totally different relationship with Him. In fact, that's the implication of verse 17. She said, Jesus said, stop clinging to me. What was that? He was saying, the relationship will be different now. What had been merely a flesh and blood relationship up until Jesus died now takes on a whole new dimension. Jesus is ascending to the Father. They can no longer relate to Him the way they had done in the past. Their relationship with Jesus must move into the higher spiritual dimension of faith. And the same is true for us. It is precisely the point the Apostle Paul is making In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when he says at verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. He's saying, for a while, we saw him in the flesh, but now we have a new dimension. There's something different, and there's a reason for that. Listen to why the change is is important. Paul says in the next verse, therefore, because the relationship is different, because we no longer know him in the flesh, but we've changed into a, it's gone into a new dimension, because of that, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. This new connection with God changes everything, it makes all things new. You know, you can know Christ intellectually. You can know Him historically. You may even know Him in a sentimental or emotional way, but none of those will change your life. 
the life-changing connection we need with God comes as a result of a true faith encounter with the living Savior. Bruce Larson said once, the events of Easter cannot be reduced to a creed or philosophy. We are not asked to believe the doctrine of the resurrection, the doctrine of the resurrection. We are asked to meet this person raised from the dead. In faith, we move from belief in a doctrine to the knowledge of a person. Ultimate truth is a person. We met him. He's alive. And, by the way, that changes everything. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, Peter said, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now, he said. Not only does it change our connection with God, it changes our outlook on life. The disciples were hiding behind locked doors. They were overcome with fear. They were racked with regret and shame at having deserted Jesus in his hour of need. Only one of them actually, as near as we can tell, stood at the foot of the cross while he died. All the rest were somewhere in the distance watching. And so they were distraught, shamed, regretting. Suddenly, Jesus is in their midst. And instead of saying something like, oh, now, you guys ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Where were you when I needed you? That's what they would have expected him to say, of course. But rather than saying that, he says, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. And they sense his love, and they experience his forgiveness, and they rejoiced in hope again. Listen, when we encounter the living Lord, we will have a new outlook on life. Our outlook changes. And one of the reasons it changes is that we no longer have to live with the guilt and the shame and the regrets of the past. Now, because we've encountered the risen Christ, we may experience the peace of forgiveness. The Apostle Paul records in 1 Corinthians 15 a reference that some have said may be a personal encounter kind of referring to a personal encounter between Peter and the risen Lord. We're really only speculating here, but it seems reasonable to think that, that because Peter had failed the Lord so miserably and, and Jesus would know how Peter was taking that, that he would arrange somewhere to have a personal encounter with him so that he could be convinced personally. That everything was different. One songwriter tried to picture that moment, and he put words in Peter's mouth, imagining that encounter, and when Jesus had finally spoken the peace to him, his words were, he's alive, and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. I can imagine Peter might say that. An encounter with a living Savior changes our outlook on life if for no other reason 
then it gives us the freedom of knowing all is forgiven. Jesus says, I I want you to have a new beginning. I want to wipe the slate clean and give you a clear conscience. I want to tell you this morning, if you have never experienced the forgiveness of knowing Christ, you have no idea how good it feels to be guilt-free. Another reason we have a new outlook on life is that we acquire a new purpose. I see that in verse 21. The new purpose is to imitate Christ. In that verse, Jesus does more than just offer them peace. He sets a standard. He actually states an expectation. Here's what he says. As the Father sent me, I also send you. So first, he is sending us into the world to make a difference. He is literally wanting us to go out into the the, the neighborhoods where we live and the, the areas where we encounter people and be change agents in our community. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. But not only is he articulating an expectation, he's actually announcing a lifelong goal for which to strive. Notice the comparison he makes. The Father has sent me, and in the same way, I send you. The the clear inference that I'm making here is that in order for us to actually be sent like he, we're going to have to be like him. We're to be like Christ. We're to accomplish his mission in the world. Jesus is saying, like me, you. The way I am, you need to be. Now, while being Christ-like is a worthy and a biblical goal, it is not necessarily easy to accomplish. It comes as God makes changes in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, notice in the next verse how Jesus empowers them. He says, it says there that He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The changes we need to make the effectiveness we desire to have, the stability in our Christian walk, even the boldness we crave to have for Christ, all come from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the transformation won't be overnight. Though some dramatic changes may be expected to take place in the beginning of our walk with Christ, other changes are an ongoing work of the Spirit within us over a longer period of time. The other thing is, we don't expect that we all make those changes at the same rate. We're different. We have different personalities. We have different experiences. We have uh, a whole different mindset, perhaps, than, than somebody else. God knows how to work on us. And those changes that we make, we won't all make at the same rate. Yet I want to tell you something today, just maybe as a a word of testimony. There is no greater joy than the fulfillment that comes as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. That is a tremendous joy. A true encounter with the risen Christ will change our outlook on life. It will also change our perspective on the world. If the resurrection of Christ is anything, 
it is at least confirmation of a world beyond our present experience. Did you hear that? If it's anything, it is confirmation of a world that is beyond what we're experiencing right now. It is all the evidence needed to confirm everything Jesus ever said about God, His Word, and a place called heaven. He's risen, and that changes everything. An encounter with the living Christ opens our eyes to a whole new dimension. And the reality that this world is not all there is to life. Let's go back to Thomas. Thomas wasn't with the disciples the first time Jesus appeared to them, and and as a result, he would not believe. He said, you're not going to talk me into that. For eight days, Thomas was confined to seeing things from only a human and very limited perspective. Thomas was this world-oriented. And he knew that what they were saying, so far as this world is concerned, was absolutely impossible. And because that's all he could see, and it would be what any of us would be, that's where we would be, because that's all he could see, for eight days he didn't believe them when they said, he's risen. But listen to his profound words once Jesus confronts him face to face. He invites him to touch his hands and put his hand in his pierced side. We have no real reason to think Thomas ever got that far. Because, as Jesus says that, with overwhelming humility and amazement, Thomas simply bows and says, My Lord and my God, I do see it now. I have a different perspective. This world is not all there is. Now his eyes are open. Now he sees the world with an entirely different perspective. Eternity grips his heart. Hope leaps fresh within his mind and his heart. And he cries out, my God, my Lord, and my God. This changes everything. My question to you today is, have you let Christ transform you? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? And just look inwardly at your own heart and let God speak to you in any way that He wants to. Do you have a clear and unhindered connection with God this Easter? Have you let the Lord give you a new outlook on life? A different perspective on this world? Or are you still living with an old perspective? Today would be a tremendous day for you to do something about whatever God is speaking to you about today. It would be a great day to open your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help those to whom you're speaking today to respond to you in a positive, affirming yes in their hearts. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippian church, made this declaration. 
I want to know Christ, he said, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Do you know him? Are you experiencing the mighty, life-changing power of the resurrection in your life? If not, I urge you to put your faith and trust in him today. He's alive, and he wants to have a relationship with you. God says in 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, he wrote. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ really does change everything. Thanks for listening. Visit us on the web at daretohope.life. That's dare, the number two, hope.life. Or follow us on Facebook. Send your email to hope at daretohope.life. Remember, He is risen. And for that reason, we can still dare to hope. Oh, Christ is our-